And so then the men of the garrison called up to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we'll show you something. I bet. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. I love that. Notice that the Philistines, they saw uh, these two men as easy prey. Easy prey and a quick defeat for Jonathan and his armor bearer. They thought they could just take him over. But notice what Jonathan saw it as. Jonathan saw it as a victory of the Lord. And see, that's what faith is and that's what faith does. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. As Jonathan was converging on the Philistines, God assured Jonathan's victory with a sign. Although he knew God would use him to fight, He also knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. At the moment of the confirming sign, he didn't lay down his sword and start praying that God would strike them all down. He prayed, made sure his sword was sharp, and trusted God would use him to strike them all down. Now let's join Pastor Rob. There's no problems, but you get an unequally yoked bull in there and you got one that's experienced and one that's not, it's going to be a, a wrestling match until that young bull gets it. And see, that's what is important here. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? They really can't, and it's important. And it's wonderful when you have someone like that, that, you, that agrees with you, and they're of the same heart of faith as you are. Verse 8, it says, Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign for us. So really what Jonathan does here is he throws out a fleece. You ever heard of this word, fleece? It's a piece of wool. It's, it's lambskin. With, with, you know, it's like when you shear the, the lamb or when you eat the lamb, you, you take the skin and you got the fleece, right? And that's really what this is. And where this comes from, well, let me tell you what a fleece is first. A fleece is a course of action based on a predetermined condition. If this happens, then we'll do this, and then we'll know that God is in it. I wouldn't recommend using a fleece in your everyday life. God has used it in the past. Certainly here, and certainly with Gideon, but I wouldn't recommend it to, 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 for it to be something you do on a consistent basis by any means. I think it's interesting that Jonathan gave this fleece, and if it was the Lord's will, and they responded in a certain way, they would have to go up. They would have to exert more energy 
to accomplish the will of God or what they thought was the will of God based on the result of the fleece. You know, he didn't turn it the other way around and say, if it's the Lord and they say, we'll come down to you, then we'll know it's the Lord. No, he, he, put, he turned it around where they actually had, if it was the will of God, they would say this and then they would actually have to walk up to them, which is a disadvantage, isn't it? And so that's what Jonathan did. In fact, Gideon did the same thing. And this is where we get the word fleece from. You might want to write Judges chapter 6. Judges 6, verse 36 through 40 in the margin of your Bible. Judges 6, verse 36 through 40. Let me read just those passages to you because Gideon did the same thing. Remember, Gideon was, uh, he was a little fearful. God had to tell him a number of times to be strong and be, be courageous. O valiant man of God. <laughs> and certainly Gideon didn't see himself as that. And so Gideon, uh, because his faith wasn't co- quite complete yet, he throws out a fleece, and this is where we get the word from. It says, So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. This is a place where they would thresh wheat, where they would do this with the grain, and then they would throw it up, and then the, the chaff would, would go away, and the, the heavier grains would land on the ground, and they would gather that up, and that's what they would use to make bread, etc. So they would, he would put this fleece, this wool, out there on the threshing floor, and if there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so, that when he rose up early the next morning, you know what that's like in the, when you put something out uh, at night, and the dew hits it, it's, it's kind of wet and damp, isn't it? So it was. And when he arose early the next morning and he squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just one more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground around it, let it there be dew. And God said, God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground, which to me is the greater miracle, right? And God wanted to encourage this servant's faith. And God met him there. He didn't belittle him. You know, sometimes we think that whenever we fail or or when our faith is weak, that God just doesn't want anything to do with us. That's not true. He wants to encourage you. What's the verse? A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he won't just extinguish and quench it. No, he wants to hold it up. He wants to fan that flame. He wants to make it better. He wants to make you better. He wants your faith to grow. He's not going to belittle you. He'll do whatever it takes to bolster your faith. Let me ask you, is your faith growing? Is your faith growing in your Christian walk with Jesus right now? Have you put yourself in a place where you've had to exercise faith? There are many ways in which one might do that, and that's between you and the Lord. But I want to encourage you to begin praying and say and step out in faith. Sometimes it's just speaking to somebody in a public place that you don't even know, telling them how much God loves them. Hey, you know, have you ever seen somebody in public that looked distressed? Why don't you just step out in faith and say and go up to him and say, you know what? The Lord asked the Lord want me to come over here. And just pray for you. Can I pray for you just a quick second? I won't take much of your time. I won't, I won't spend a lot. Just, can I, is it okay if I pray with you? And you'd be, you'd be surprised what might happen. Things like that. And many other things. But I wouldn't recommend doing a fleece, like I said, because uh, unless you need it and God is willing to um, encourage your faith by it, 
you know, that's up to you and the Lord. But that's what a fleece is. It's just a, it's a method to discern God's will by an action. You know, you put a condition on an action. So verse 11, it says, So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden. And obviously this is disdainful or disdaining to the children of Israel. And, and if you remember back in the, in the previous chapter in 13, uh, when Israel was being harassed by the Philistines, it says in verse 6, it says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, that the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And there's a lot of them in Israel, believe me. And so now they see these two young men coming out of the rocks, and they're like, oh, look, it's the little Hebrew guys coming out of their holes. Look at that. Oh, so cute. Is that a bunny rabbit? No, that's a, that's, is, is that a coney? No, that's a, that, oh, wait, that looks like two young men. And so then the men of the garrison called up to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you something. I bet. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. I love that. Notice that the Philistines, they saw uh, these two men as easy prey. Easy prey and a quick defeat for Jonathan and his armor bearer. They thought they could just take him over. But notice what Jonathan saw it as. Jonathan saw it as a victory of the Lord. And see, that's what faith is and that's what faith does in the heart of a man or a woman who is operating in faith. And here we see a collision of worldviews, in a sense, if you would. One was of the flesh, and the other was of the spirit. Certainly the Philistines were of the flesh, and Jonathan and his armor-bearer were led by the Spirit of God. And again, the worldview of those in the flesh is might makes right. The bigger the crowd, the better. The more money, the better. That is what the world sees. That's the worldview of the world. And oftentimes, people, groups, from different worldviews, they don't understand each other. And many times, they talk right past each other. You try to try to talk to an atheist or talk to an evolutionist as a, as a Christian. Sometimes you can be, you know, two different worldviews, two different worldviews are colliding. And sometimes you can talk right past each other and not really get to the root cause. This is why the world, they don't understand us Christians. They don't understand what we do and what we say, often. They don't understand why you do what you do. Who, who's controlling you? They don't understand why we don't fight. Remember Jesus when he stood before Pilate? Pilate was amazed that his, his followers weren't rising up. And what did Jesus say to Pilate? He said, my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And I can imagine Pilate's going, what? He's a man of the world. He doesn't understand. He's a Roman guy. Might makes right. Big armies, big weapons. Where's all your followers, Jesus? I thought you're the king of the Jews. I am, but my kingdom's not of this world. <laughs> okay, that's great. I think it's time for lunch. You know, and that's, that's Pilate. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, I love this. It says, the natural man 
does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And there's a difference between the man of flesh and the man of faith. Verse 13, it says, And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. And as we read through this tonight, try to picture, you know, uh, you know, these things in your mind. I, I love doing that. Let your imagination go crazy when you read the Bible. Put yourself in the scene. Picture every movement. Picture it all. And you, you form in your, in your head what is happening. So Jonathan climbed up on his feet and his knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. So if you th- picture that in your mind, guys. I mean, if you're, if you're a guy, like, you know, if you're a man, you understand. I, I like to visualize things. I think of half an acre of land. Look in the back of your house and think of a half an acre of land and thinking of 20 Philistines at different places. And these two men went out after them and they killed them, all of them. And they were outnumbered by a factor of 10. <laughs> two of them, 20 of the Philistines. And notice in verse 15, back in our text, it says, And there was trembling in the camp as a result of this, in the field and among all the people, speaking of the Philistines, the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and notice, and the earthquake, so that it was a very great trembling, a very great trembling, but they, um, they were all trembling in the, in the camp, the Philistines. In Proverbs 28, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And I think of Jonathan and his armor bearer like men of, like lions. They were bold and filled with faith. In Leviticus chapter 26, in verse 3, the Lord gives some conditional promises to Israel that really apply to what's happening here. Because remember, when Moses, before he... Uh, passed away from the scene and before Joshua took his place, as they were standing at the Jordan River before they crossed in the, into the promised land, you know, the Lord, uh, through Moses, was giving Israel promises, conditional promises. Let me read a few of them to you because they'll relate to what we're talking about. Leviticus 26 verse 3 says, God speaking to the Israelites, he says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then... Whenever you see if and then, that's a conditional statement. It means if I do this, then God will do this. It's a conditional statement. In fact, through Leviticus 26, you're going to see this conditional thing. So he says in verse 3, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then... And then if we go down to verse 7, it says, Then you will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Isn't God fulfilling that right here in this chapter? If you, and Jonathan was a faithful man. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, and Jonathan was one of those men, if you do that, you will chase your enemies, verse 7, and they shall fall by the sword before you. And then in verse 8, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. He echoes the same thing in Deuteronomy 28. Write that in the, in the margin of your Bible. Deuteronomy 28. And let me just read uh, a few uh, excerpts from that chapter. In verse 1 it says, Now it shall come to pass if, there it is again, notice those if-then statements. If you're a computer programmer, like uh, some of you, um, you understand an if-then statement. It's one of the first things you learn when you're doing a programming language. If the user enters this, then do this subroutine, whatever it may be. 
And, and that's what it is. But notice, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I like that. Do you like being overtaken by a blessing? It's like running down the street, and instead of being chased by a pit bull, you're being chased by blessings. I like that. That's a good thing. Can you imagine that 911 call? You're running down the street and you got your little airbot, your AirPods in your ears and you're calling the police and you're running and they can tell you're out of breath. What are you doing? I'm running down you know, East Avenue. What are you running for? I'm being chased by blessings. Okay, that's really nice. We'll send the uh, paddy wagon for you. But notice God says, if you diligently do these things... Then he says in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 28, he says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And then in verse 9 of the same chapter, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandment of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Isn't that exactly what's happening here today in, the, in this passage? They're trembling, they're afraid, and God, again, is being faithful to the promise he made hundreds of years prior. And he's, he's obeying, he's, he's coming true on that promise for Jonathan and his armor bearer. They were men of faith, they believed God, Right? God's promises of old were in effect. And then notice, all the earthquakes, so that it was a very great trembling. So we're talking about an earthquake here. And other times in the Bible, there was an earthquake, coincidentally, at the time when great faith was exercised. Look at those places where you find there was a great earthquake. You remember in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, after raising a lame man who was uh, bedridden, and they go into the temple... After, after the day of Pentecost, they say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. Rise and take up your bed and walk. He did. It created such a stir that the Pharisees and the, the, the religious leaders, they call Peter and John before them. And they threaten him. And they tell him not to speak in Jesus' name. And being let go, they went to their own companions and they reported to all the chief priests and the elders what they said to them. And so when they heard that, notice this group of prayer warriors that were around Peter and John. They raised their voice to God with one accord and they're praying and they're thinking, they're thanking God. And we won't have to go through the prayer here, but they, they really give glory to God. And what does it say at the end of verse 31 in Acts 4? And when they had prayed, notice the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. It seems to me that when God encounters faith like that, sometimes he responds in the natural with a quaking, an earthquake. And for some reason, the Middle East, especially Israel, it lies on a fault line. I don't know if you knew this, but right in the center, and right where the Jordan River, that's a fault line. <laughs> Two tectonic plates join in the center of that river. That's the fault line, is the Jordan River. And there's all kinds, uh, over the years, many, many um, earthquakes. That's why whenever we're there, when we go down to the rabbi's tunnel underneath the western wall, underneath the Temple Mount, all the time I'm down there, I'm thinking, not today, Lord. Because when you look, when you're several, several feet below ground, all you got is limestone all around you. You're just, 
I'm really liking this, but I'm looking at the end of the tunnel. You know? It says now, verse 16, back in our text, says, Now the watchman of Saul and Gabeah of Benjamin. So Saul is watching this whole thing from Gabeah. He's looking down upon the battle from a distance. It says, Now the watchman of Saul and Gabeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, meaning the multitude of the Philistines, and they went here and there. And then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the, call the roll and see who has gone out from us. And when they had called the roll, they went by name of who's here. Joe, are you here? Here. Joshua, are you here? Here. Jonathan? Jonathan? Jonathan's armor bearer? Crickets. Hmm. So they called Roel, and when they had called the Roel, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, the priest, Bring the ark of God here, for at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing here. Um, Not really sure if this is really the ark, because at this time, the ark was actually in Kirjath-Jerim, and it was in the house of Abinadad, and it was about 10 miles west of Gabeah, where they were at. That's where the ark was. I doubt that they really went and got it, uh, because we're going to see that they reached their hand inside of, of, of the ark, but it really wasn't the ark. They believe, in, in fact, the, um, the Septuagint, anybody know what the Septuagint is? It's just uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament Hebrew. So there was a time when the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, was translated from Hebrew into Greek. And when they did that, they translated this ephod instead of ark. And that makes more sense. It could be. It makes sense, as, we, as we'll see. Because no one was to put their hand inside the ark, and I doubt they're going to travel 10 miles to bring the ark back. And you'll see in just a minute. But I find it interesting that Jonathan, unlike his father Saul, Jonathan didn't need some kind of ephod. He didn't need Urim and Thummim. He didn't need to touch anything holy. He didn't need to do anything. He just needed to obey. But yet Saul was kind of different in that way. Saul needed to have an aid, something to connect him with what God had said. And that really doesn't require a lot of faith. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a sacrifice before you go into battle. There's nothing wrong with inquiring to God, shall I go down to the Philistines? Like David, David did that. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jonathan was, he's like, you know what? I've heard enough. God told us back in Deuteronomy. I can trust him. If I do this, and I believe my relationships are right with you, God, and I'm going to step out and and, and vanquish these enemies because they've defied you. Isn't that what David said to the Philistines? You've defied the armies of the living God. It had nothing to do with Jonathan. It says, verse 19 in our, our text, it says, Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. And, and imagine that in your head. He's seeing in a distance, he's seeing the Philistines starting to scatter, and then the noise is starting to pick up, and he's getting kind of nervous, wondering what's going on. Notice what it says here, that while it happened, now it happened that while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, and here's our clue, that this was not the ark, but rather an ephod, withdraw your hand. Because the priest had his hand inside the ephod and he was about to pull out a stone or something. However they did it, he said, withdraw your hand. Their hand wasn't in the ark, I can tell you that. God would have smote them dead if they would have put their hand inside the ark. Even a Levite wasn't supposed to put his hand inside the ark. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.